talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome back to another fun and exciting episode of More Like the Worst Wing, our podcast where myself, Dave, and myself, Stu, take a look at Aaron Sorkin's seminal work. And I hope everyone understands that we're making a semen joke every time we say this, or at least I am. <laughs> I mean, I uh, think a couple people get it. Okay, good. Uh, the West Wing, from a modern 2019, June 2019 leftist perspective. Um, this episode is entitled The Stackhouse Filibuster, and it concerns a filibuster from a Senator Stackhouse of the traditional variety where you have to stand and continue to speak and hold the floor uh, and all that sort of stuff. So let's just kick right off into our cold open. And this entire episode is framed with a, uh, a email writing device, um, framing device, where C- it starts with CJ writing a letter to her dad, who she was planning on visiting for his upcoming 70th birthday, but the, the eponymous Stackhouse filibuster has delayed those plans. So instead, she's writing an email to him explaining exactly what is happening in the episode, uh, which gives us this omniscient third-person narration gimmick uh, that they use throughout the episode. So it starts with CJ's narration as she explains uh, basically what a filibuster is and the rules saying that, you know, he can't drink any water, he can't have any food, he can't sit, he can't even lean on anyone or anything, and you just have to have to keep talking uh, this is the traditional type of filibuster, not to be confused with the modern idea of the filibuster, which is just a quorum call Senate trick to uh, to basically ensure that all bills need 60 votes nowadays. Which is um, a fundamental corruption of democracy, one might yeah. say? A L- little bit. Um, you know, the, the traditional filibuster is sort of self-limiting by the fact that it does have all these rules and you actually have to go up there and give an extended physical effort, uh, so which you know makes it sort of inherently self-limiting instead of just being able to call a quorum call <laughs> or whatever the fuck the procedure is nowadays. Uh, but, uh, and as you put in the notes here, uh, you said they should just get a camel back, uh, which, which would break the rules because you're not allowed to drink anything even if it's on you. Uh, but the other suggestion you had, which would work, is they should wear a diaper. That's uh, right, which baby. that's that's a fucking pro tip right there. If you're gonna filibuster, <laughs> fucking diaper up, son. Just I, do it. Just I, go I get some adult depends. And you, you know what? If you're if you're that committed to the point where you're gonna do the real fucking filibuster, why wouldn't you dipe up? I would. <laughs> there was a uh, legislator, and I can't remember what her name. Uh, Wendy Davis, when right. she gave the filibuster in Texas that one mm-hmm. time, and I'm reasonably certain. She might have been diaped up. She might have been diaped up. And I like, think I remember reading something about that too. <laughs> and because because like frankly, you get the opportunity to prepare as right. you're like getting yeah, your you know you you know you're going into it yeah, so you can prepare. <laughs> so I just thought that was a very funny suggestion. <laughs> um, so okay, so the other thing I want to talk about, we're still in the cold open here. This is going to be a little more stream of consciousness episode, but because nothing happens. Open, Essentially. I actually think it's a pretty good episode, though, even though nothing happens. It might even be especially because nothing happens, um, because they can't really dig into anything too terrible. But while we're still in the cold open, 
So, what, what's really funny to me here is normally all these fucking characters are workaholics who work every weekend and, and are constantly in the White House and seem to never desire vacation at all, but they're all whining to CJ about how they all have fucking vacation plans all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, and, it's not even like a holiday weekend. No, the, the, it's happening on the eve of, like, a break in the Senate where... where a, a, you know, a Senate recess. A Senate that shouldn't matter for the White House people. Well, yeah, I mean, and, I guess it matters a little. And actually, I, I honestly don't know if they like they match their schedule and sort of like their thing, because if they're technically concerned with the outcome of a legislative session or whatever, a certain stretch of a legislative session, then, right. uh, OK, I get it. But I think you're absolutely right. It's like your White House, but, like, who yeah, who gives a shit and if more, the session? Just the, more to the point, it's so out of character for all these fucking workaholics to suddenly be obsessed with their vacation time. <laughs> like, like we have never seen any one of them try to take PTO before or whatever, or even be like hyped for the weekend because they're usually working on the fucking weekends. We see it all the time. Yeah, and we get anytime into, like, they're not in anytime they're not in suits, it's a, it's a Saturday or Sunday. Like if Bartlett's in his fucking Princeton sweater or whatever, it's a Saturday or a Sunday. Well, and they're always like you. You get honestly these cold opens of them. It's one thirty in the morning, and we're still working. Right, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and CJ. The show opens with CJ on the treadmill at four in the morning mm-hmm. working. You know, and Toby on his laptop in the plane getting yelled at by stewardesses because he exactly. has his laptop out because he's working. <laughs> Like, and now all these fucking workaholics are obsessed with their fucking vacations in the fucking Hamptons, Sam. You, oh my yeah. God, Sam so is just the bougiest motherfucker just, just in the world huge, in the cold open. A huge variety of bougie trips get, like, Holy signaled. fucking class signaling here. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God. Hamptons. Uh, Sam says, oh, you gotta see this house. Uh, and like, this fucking Frank Lloyd Wright designed fucking mansion with 30 bedrooms or whatever that his fucking rich-ass friends have. Well, and, and he's fucking going to. to- Toby's like, I gotta get to Telluride, because like, there's some fresh powder down. I'm like, God, oh, Jesus Christ. And, and, jo- and then Josh is going <laughs> to a spring spring training camp, uh, and CJ gives gives him and both Toby a bunch of shit over the sports, which is delightful uh, to see. Yeah, sports. But yeah, he's going to, he's going to a Mets training camp in Florida, <laughs> which, by the way, do not go to Florida for fucking spring training, Especially, even if you love baseball. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? As a Floridian, I've seen a shitload of spring training, and it sucks. Port St. Lucie, come on. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's not. He's going to a shit part a of Florida. A shit part like, of Florida. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Have some fucking self-respect. Watch it on TV. Christ. They don't even air it on TV because it's that fucking bad. <laughs> well, and so they, they go into this thing where, and, and you know, we'll, we'll harp on this for a little bit, where Josh is just like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna go down there and I'm just going to, I'm going to be in the stands in that, in that AAA stadium where they're training or whatever. And yeah. what's his uh, current, current uh, baseball star? Yeah. <laughs> um, fuck. I forgot the name. It uh, doesn't matter. God damn. I don't yeah, even remember. Yeah, he's going to like come up and shake my hand or whatever. <laughs> He's going to look it's, up and see me and go, like, what's up? Yeah, like, it's such a boomer <laughs> baseball fantasy camp kind of fucking uh. fantasy. Ugh. So anyway, this is all still in the cold open. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so meanwhile, this whole time, filibuster Stackhouse is filibustering on the TV as, like, constant background noise throughout this episode, and the characters will occasionally look at it and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's reading off uh, right now, just to kill time, you know, sometimes they'll read off the phone book or they'll read off just whatever they have at hand. Uh, Senator Stackhouse has don't, found don't what, say it. what the characters <laughs> will refer to as a 
recipe book. What? What the fuck <laughs> is a recipe book? It's a cookbook, and I literally wrote this in all bold and notes. You stupid goddamn weirdos! It's a cookbook. I have no fucking idea where the term <laughs> recipe book came from. You know a writer, and they write it, and they mention it several times, and like you know. On this fucking first draft reading of this, some other writer looked at this and went, "Recipe book?" <laughs> like I, or I hope they did. Or just like <laughs> I, I just either they're all too high to be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" But they, yeah, like this was banged out on cocaine at three in the morning. They, <laughs> like, they put in, they put it into several main and ancillary characters' mouths calling it yes. a recipe book right uh, it's not just one character being weird about it like oh that's just sam he's from connecticut so yeah, he says exactly. recipe book like it's all of them doing it like <laughs> what the fuck so yeah we're still in the cold open here the um, well and so that the source of tension and conflict comes out because it's basically right the idea is they are holding this vote and at at, at present in this part right. of the episode we don't know really what's going on other than the fact that they want the vote to conclude so they can before the press deadline exactly so they can and so they can get to vacation and then hit Uh, vacation now right because then they can just all fuck off yeah yeah, well and it's understood that it was agreed initially that it would do so right well they had no idea that the filibuster was going to happen exactly so they thought it was just going to be a normal legislative session that closes at like 5 p.m or whenever the fuck and we'd all go home and have our weekend but it's been, you know, X hours into the Stackhouse filibuster at this point, and they all realize, oops, the plan is changing. Yeah, so we get out of the cold open at that point, <laughs> and then we start to get some some sort of, like, context on what's going on, which on, is... Yeah, so we get, uh, through the framing device, we get, like, a backfill uh, kind of, ret- you know, retcon of, like, oh, so here's what happened that led up to this. Uh, and it, this is what I like about the episode. Like I said, I actually think this is a pretty good episode, or at least I found it very entertaining man, for some reason. I don't, maybe. Know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I was just in the right mood or whatever. <laughs> but um, there's a couple big laughs, which I'll get to later. Um, but so, And I think the framing device here with the email writing actually works kind of well. There's a Sports Night episode where he does this same thing where I think Jeremy's writing an email to his dad okay. or something like that. Um, I don't but remember. it works pretty well here because not only does it allow them to do this sort of like retcon backfill explaining of the history that we're about to get into, but also there's sort of like this Rashomon effect where we get multiple characters' perspectives on things. And it's not that they contradict each other necessarily, but they each have their own take on it. Uh, and I, th- I thought it worked pretty well, uh, particularly when you get to the end and they're all kind of like flowing together. Uh, through their narration. I thought I thought it worked well. The, so this is going to be the second episode in a row where I tip my hat to your command of television and film um, terminology because I've literally <laughs> never heard of Rashomon effect. Oh yeah, um, yeah, the Japan the Japanese film Rashomon um, where uh, in which uh, multiple characters witness a crime and then you get the testimony from each character but they're all contradictory testimony. You know, because of, you know, human perception bias, essentially. Awesome. Uh, There's a Star Trek TNG episode that riffs on it. The one with Riker and the scientist and his wife, if anyone remembers that. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. There you go. (laughs) That's Rashomon effect right there. No shit. Okay. Exactly. Uh, So, so we get the backfill explanation of what's going on. And so what's going on is they have this, um, do you have the, what the bill is called? Yes, it's Uh, the Family Wellness Act. Family Wellness Act, which, as you accurately described, is a numbers-fuckstein monstrosity of uh, small issues. 
that totals to like six billion dollars in funding that they're giving to various healthcare concerns. Uh, the uh, w more of which we'll dig into later on. Um, but you know, this is supposed to be like a nice big win for them. CJ even says like, "Wow, you know, we're gonna get a a, a nice day." That never happens, which is <laughs> yeah. you know kind of my ongoing recurring complaint about the show. <laughs> they, they never do get a win. Uh, they sort of get one this episode, but in a very weird Pyrrhic kind of way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, uh, CJ rightly points out that w women were, are going to be mad as hell uh, when an abortion issue uh, mm -hmm. was a party non-starter. And, and Josh is like, oh, but you're going to provide cover for us, right? And she's like, yes, I will sell out the sisterhood. <laughs> and, then ma and then makes note of all the men who rolled their eyes after she said that comment. <laughs> Yeah, and... Um, CJ gets a lot of good work in this episode. Well, uh, it's basically her episode for, like, the entire first half uh, before we break into Sam writing an email to his dad. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, just to, to briefly break on it, it's kind of interesting that at this point in the show, I feel like they've recognized that CJ's character is more resonant because, like, the first few episodes of season one, it's like CJ is almost an afterthought. Like, they... they used or described as, like, incompetent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or is constantly kind of like struggling with the position. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Um, it does feel like they're they're bringing her more into the fold, into like the focus, letting her kind of like carry the narrative weight a lot more in these episodes. Which is great because Alice and Janie deserve it. Which is it. great. Yeah. Just... Yeah, and she's uh, she's every time she's on screen, it's better than the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah. So uh, eventually, you know, they they go through this this bill thing, and then we get a quick quick cut. Um, honestly. Josh gets a line where he's like, honestly, I'd be happy if I just got to see my doctor without filling out anything on a clipboard. It's like, oh, gee, yeah. Wow. And this isn't even going to get us fucking close to that. <laughs> Imagine that, um, Josh. Like, later on, Bartlett will call himself the most liberal reformer president in modern history, uh, which is a good for a laugh. Indeed. As, as they pass this numbers fuck Stein $6 billion drop in the bucket ain't going to do shit uh, family wellness act. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's filled with stuff like, you know, we got hearing tests for kids and stuff like that. Like, all this stuff that is, sure, great or whatever, but is not actually fundamentally fixing the, the issue of, like, there are still millions of uninsured children in the country. Yeah, um, and it's 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 funding the fiddling at the margins of this stuff. It is saying... It's absolutely pure ne neoliberalism at its finest without actually looking into the underlying systemic issues that really need to be addressed. Well, and, and frankly, we don't even, it doesn't even dig in on it. It's just, it's almost like a, right. um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just sort of a, it's, it's yeah. a wish list. They call it a Christmas tree later in the episode where, you know, like everyone got a branch, everyone got to add an ornament. Um, and, and, you know, everyone got to tack on their own little amendment to make their own state happy pork or whatever, Yep. you know, the, like that's basically what this is. It's, it's like a pork bill. And it provide it provides for the, the narrative device of, Rough. What ends what ends up happening is right. You you get this contact to Josh directly from Senator Stackhouse, the right. anonymous Senator Stackhouse, who it's, says so. You go. I yeah, mean, go you ahead. go ahead if you wanted to break in here, but like, uh, I just want to say that Josh like really fucks up here, <laughs> um, like in a huge way. Like his in, his entire now. To be fair, he was ordered by uh, by Leo to be like, look, you can't give anything away. But he could have he could have done anything else to avoid this particular outcome of what happens in the episode. But then again, if that happened, then we wouldn't have the episode. So I guess it kind of requires Josh to be bad at his job. So yeah, Stackhouse calls Josh up and says, "Hey, I need to talk to you about this bill before before we pass it." 
And Josh is like, oh, shit, he called me personally? He didn't have, like, his secretary do it? And uh, and he even includes, like, a threat in there of, like, this bill will not pass uh, while I'm alive unless you talk to me or uh, first. Uh, and so Josh is like, okay. So he goes over to the hill uh, wearing his mother's new shoes, uh, <laughs> has a magnificent little pratfall. Yeah, he eats uh, shit on the, on the office floor. Which, <laughs> on the be, floor of the hill. To be fair, I've done it in dress shoes enough times to know that it's a real phenomenon with leather soled <laughs> shoes that it he sucks. tried to take a corner too quick <laughs> and uh props to bradley Wadf- uh, bradley whitford because i always love a good pratfall <laughs> <It's right. laughs> classic so um, he talks with stackhouse for a little while and stackhouse basically nails him and says there's something that's missing it's mm-hmm. autism funding i want 47 million dollars which this is vi- very pre like the autism thing taking off, like autism awareness taking off bigly, you know, in the, in like the coming decades. So it's actually very prescient of the show in a weird way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and he also, he just, the, the, he's this cantankerous old dude. And I was trying to find Mm a, a, any reference to like, whether he is a representation of somebody, but there honestly isn't one. Um, He's portrayed in the show's canon, I think he makes a couple appearances, but there's no real analog to him in real life. They talk about him a lot, um, but this is the first time we've seen him. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think there's a particular analog other than just sort of old cranky senator who doesn't have a bunch of friends uh, and has very little political influence, but is still a senator, yeah, essentially. He's, he's one of the, you know, ostensibly 60 votes that they need to right. pass this bill. So he's like... All right, if you're not going to, and at this point, the bill has quote-unquote closed. Right, it's so, like it's closed so Josh's excuse, right, Josh's excuse is it's closed, and we don't, and we, and oh, so, so here's two things that I really love about this particular bit with Josh and Stackhouse. One is that Stackhouse brings up that the bill contains funding for uh, uh, dementia research, uh, uh, Alzheimer's disease, and, uh, and erectile dysfunction. You got a lot of two-year-olds with those illnesses, Josh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so why can't we have this autism thing, which actually affects children, and which is where we need to screen it, you know, and that kind of thing. So he brings up that great point, and Josh says, well, you have a great point, but, and then, which is, you know, the equivalent of saying, well, I have no actual rebuttal to that. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then also, fucking Josh gives away the game when Stackhouse says, like, you guys just want to make the press filing deadline, right? And Josh is like, yeah, that's all. And he's like, okay, well, that's all I need from you. Goodbye. Yeah, it's like, see ya. And, and fucking pieces out because he realizes, like, oh, I'm not going to fucking get anything. They just want this stupid press win. All right, then I'm going to fucking filibuster this shit. Fuck you. So he then he then basically goes and does just that. And to sort of wrap up the, the Stackhouse side of the episode, eventually, after you get, like, some ins and outs of this shit, you discover through uh, a happy... Donna. A happy accident of Donna. And I'll, I'll talk more about Donna in this episode because yeah. I really like what she has going on with CJ. You get, but yeah, Donna sort of Sherlock's it out that, uh, go ahead. No, I was just say just Sherlock's it out that the senator has a grandson with autism. And so it's like all bum, of a sudden bum, bum. there's a personal connection to this issue and the White House is like, oh my God, screw the press deadline. We got to get this right. guy help. And it's, it's like, I, why this? What? Why this of all things? Like, <laughs> I, did he not have a point before? Uh, it's so, okay. The, now I hate the episode more because <laughs> the, this is the really bad element of it. Because this goes back to that fucking, like, Toby found one hobo or Charlie fixed, you know, his own personal situation. And therefore, the entire issue 
nationally is fixed. Yeah. Like, this goes back to the fucking, oh, but he has a personal connection, so now it matters more. No, fuck off! It was fine when he was just talking about it without a personal connection. Like, can't you just But, like, be... they do this whole, this whole spiel about grandfathers and how they're fucking so proud. It's fucking patriarchal as fuck, by the way. Yeah, it's, in, it's incredibly, like, just... And Bartlett gets in on it, and it's just... Yeah, it's so gross they, when Bartlett does it. And, like... The, the reason that Josh shoots down Stackhouse's request, basically, to reopen the bill is Right, which purely, was a perfectly reasonable request. And it's, but his reason is just purely selfish. It, the consequences right, we just of want missing, a PR win. And, and going on vacation. We, frankly, we want to go on vacation. And we want to go on vacation. Yeah, that's the unsaid part of it as well. Yeah, that we just want to fuck, fuck off out of here. And so eventually uh, they, they instead do... Instead of doing our governing job yeah. and helping kids with autism. You know, one. So eventually, they do a procedure, like with they do they do a Roberts rules at him and like right. get some guy. Yeah, again senator. through Donna. Through Donna has the eureka moment of uh, of no of because Josh loves to like list this shit shit off and make her listen to it. Of that a, a fellow senator can interrupt the like sort of put a pause on the filibuster by asking a question, which will, will allow Stackhouse to sit down and have some water and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so they spend the, the last few minutes of the episode trying to wrangle up a senator who will do that. He, they find one. He does. He, he says, I have a question that will take 22 parts, so it might take a long time, <laughs> so you can sit sit down and have some water. And this is our big, like, victory moment at the end. They're all watching it on TVs, and they, they're like, you know, they have their burst fingers clenched. Applause. You know, and then burst into applause when it happens. Like, you know, this is our... All right, yeah, I'm turning on the episode. I don't like it anymore. It's cliche and it's shitty and it's this is a dumb fucking Pyrrhic victory at best. So cuz we don't even know if they add the fucking autism shit to the bill. Yeah. And we'll never hear about it again. We will never hear about it again and frankly the episode it just wraps up with everybody. It's a neat little bow that all of the manufactured conflicts have been re- resolved in a manufactured way. And we right. just kind of fade into credits, and yeah. now we're done. Yeah. All right. So I, I've turned. <laughs> I, now, I, now I hate it, even though uh, there is a lot of good stuff. So actually, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll cover some of the other uh, subplots in the episode and some of the good bits that I did enjoy uh, now that we're past this bit. Absolutely. We actually get uh, some interaction in this episode with the vice president, who is not actually featured quite a lot right. um, in the show up to this point. However, he will begin to play, spoiler alert, a much more um, significant role in the show where sort of as we cut away from the preparation for the vote on the Family Wellness Act, we get Toby um, trying to figure out how to do some press release or appearance or something and essentially looking something for, for a the volunteer. Oil. Yeah. Yeah. Need, he to, needs to, someone to, to go and like do, do a PR thing that will like be a anti emissions or like anti oil companies pro pro cutting emissions. That yes. And I thing. believe the, the necessity is forced on them because there's some comment that comes out from the Republicans about, 
like the administration's obsession with lowering emissions right or whatever uh, is going to so drive us here, all so yeah. w- when we intro on the vp in this episode he's doing what i find is a very funny vp task he's like meeting with some grandmas who have like knitted quilts <laughs> for the for the white house or for charity or for something like i love every time they cut to the vp he's doing some fucking thankless task like the women's volleyball team like yep. he's always just glad handing some group who showed up to, which is what the fucking <laughs> vp does all day basically yeah, so very that part, accurate. Yeah, that part's very accurate and very funny. Uh, and then so, but then he talks with his advisors about how he heard about how there was this massive like melt off of snow in this area. And again, it's very sort of prescient and like very climate change focused kind of thing. But it gets kind of brushed off as just sort of the setup for this oil thing or for this like quote unquote like you said focus on cutting emissions um, that the yeah. that the other side is accusing them of. So. Toby almost incidentally goes to see Hoynes and inform him about this thing because the initial conceit is that Hoynes is so let, let's be clear on this. The, the canon is that in the election that won Bartlett the presidency, Hoynes delivered him the South. So Correct. basically Hoynes, Hoynes was like the chuddy side of the ticket. Right. Um, kind of like Biden for Obama, essentially. You know, exactly. like where where if Obama had like another young black guy on the ticket, then oh my god, it would have like freaked everyone out. So he had to take an old white guy to calm people down. Uh, it's sort of and, the same thing with Hoynes, yeah. And so the Hoynes constituency, what like canonically is also inclusive of like, like, like your drilling. traditional rob, you're like your robber baron right. type. Yeah, capitalist. they're the drill baby drill kind of kind of fuckers. Yeah. Yeah. So. Toby is slightly surprised when, in his conversation, Hoynes actually volunteers uh, to take point. Out of nowhere. Yep. It says, hey, out hey, of, I'll do this. Yeah. yeah and so, uh, and to- Toby's like, what in the fuck are you up to? Because he does, <laughs> to give Toby credit, he does instantly realize that he's not just doing this out of the kindness of his heart. And that he clearly must be up to something. Uh, yeah, and then later so, on, Toby will find out that he's put polling into the field. Uh, and the polls show that... You know, people think he's he's too cozy with oil companies, uh, and they don't like that. Um, and so that's exactly why he did this. Yeah, and so it's also there's a there's sort of this background, um, like there's this feeling of it's it's ominous that Hoynes is doing this, and like Absolutely. you get a couple shots Absolutely. of Toby yep. like rubbing his forehead, like trying to figure right. stuff he out. Meets, he, gets he meets a with lines. Josh and Sam and discusses it, and both Josh and Sam are instantly like, "Oh, that's fucking weird." You know, he's he's up to something. Well, and, you know, he he is up to something. Right. But I only I only know what it is because I've watched future episodes of. The right. Oh, it seems somewhat obvious now in retrospect. But at the time, it's like this is actually a pretty decent framing because you don't really understand why the camera is lingering on Toby while Hoynes is speaking or right. like. Why? The, like, why? Why is Toby suspicious? Other than just you know, Hoynes is kind of an asshole, and normally assholes don't do nice things out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's never explicit until at the very end, Toby goes and literally asks him, "Why'd you do this? Why? Yeah. Or why'd you put the polling and, in the field?" Well, or both. He, you know, yeah. and then the answer is the same, which is that well, I guess people won't think I'm I'm cozy with oil companies anymore. And Toby, he asks. Is there something you know that I don't? And Hoynes has this canned garbage response of like, <laughs> the sum total of things I know tonnage. could. Yeah, the tonnage could st- 
done a team of oxen. It's like, wow. Yeah, fuck Great it. line. Toby should have just made the jerk-off gesture. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Roll his eyes and jerk-off gesture. Yeah, like, Go back inside the White House. Okay, Mr. Vice President. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. But we also get sort of playing in and out of this, um, like the, the scenes with Toby and Hoynes, is a brief honestly very brief appearance of the president himself yes who invites leo to go to dinner with him yes um, uh, i want to bring up uh so the the and i need the clip here of where he describes the beefsteak tomato dessert specialty is his dessert tomate du soltembique that's going to be a big seedless beefsteak tomato stewed for three hours in creme de caramel and stuffed with passion fruit kiwi and hazelnuts and served on a pomegranate reduction yes go Leave the cell phone. I'm taking my phone. You're not leaving the building. People can find you. Uh, there's a video, I'll have Stu put it in the show notes, uh, from a very excellent YouTuber called Binging with Babish, whose entire gimmick is recreating the food from TV and movies, where he does his best to recreate this uh, steamed beefsteak tomato dessert thing. Um, and it's uh, it's a hell of a watch, uh, and I highly encourage <laughs> it. Uh, totally nice. off topic, but I had to get that in there. So uh, there's... Uh, there's- well, there's a French chef visiting the White House, and mm-hmm. Bartlett's like, yo, this guy comes, he cooks me dinner every time he's in the States, whatever, right. and Leo, you should come eat with me, and so they talk right. about this food. But then they sit down, and Bartlett is basically looking for an outlet to sort of roll back to a couple episodes ago where he and Abby were fighting Correct. about yes. whether he's going to run for a Again. second term. Exactly. And Leo is like, Okay, like he, uh, Bartlett. Bartlett lays out that he had a deal with Abby. You know that it was, and then Leo's like, "Oh shit, one term was the deal." Yep. Uh, and he, he kind of cottons on. So it's amazing that he hadn't told Leo, which is what we we find we're finding out. Um, but then, yeah, uh, it it doesn't really get resolved. Well, and so the the scene with the two of them resolves with them being like, "Hey, CJ needs to talk to us about Stackhouse." Right. And so, so they, they get they, they, get, pl- they get interrupted. Yeah. Uh, before they the, can get into the meat of the conversation. The su- the subtle juxtaposition that's happening here is the Hoynes-Toby interaction is occurring in yes. the context of the Bartlett-Leo-Abby interaction. Right. And so it's not super obvious, but it's actually quite it's good. well again, subtly done. I, that, I'm try- I'll pull it back to now I'm getting back on the yeah. episode again. <laughs> Spinning right around. It's um, good. Like it's and- it's subtle writing that is leading to the idea that Hoynes is going to try to primary Bartlett. Uh, yeah, that's for the that's the fundamental term. thing. Is right. Hoynes is going to run against Bartlett if, right. if if he decides to run and, against. And he's younger and healthier, and you know doesn't have MS, and and now he's shorn up his weaknesses already. You know, while he's got time, you know, like doing this this speech to to distance himself from oil companies, uh, that yeah. sort of thing. So, so yeah, that's the. That's the Hoynes sort of interjection in this episode. It doesn't really tie into the other political stuff, but we, we start no, but to lay we the groundwork for the election. we spend a fair amount of time on it, like probably yep. a good like five to ten minutes total. Uh, and it's yep. basically Toby's entire plot this episode. Yeah. Okay, let's take another mm-hmm. quick break, uh, and then we'll dive into some more stuff on this episode.
so the final major subplot, and I'll call them major because these are the ones that are... To, uh, to be fair, Toby didn't narrate an email uh, ever. Um, yeah. And what's funny is I think he interrupts CJ at one point while she's writing her email and just kind of snarks at her. And she's like, just go away. Like, what are you doing? Just, <laughs> like, buzz off. Uh, and what's funny is then later on, CJ will come up to snark to Sam when he's right before he starts writing his email, uh, before which he is playing solitaire while watching the Stackhouse filibuster uh, down in, like, the White House uh, cafeteria. The mess, yeah. yeah, the mess. Um, and so he's, uh, she says, hey, how are you and your dad because of the whole thing with him cheating on your mom for, like, 30 years or whatever. <laughs> and uh, Sam's like, eh, it's getting better. Like, we're, you know, we're, I'm trying to talk to him. We're, we're trying to move past it kind of thing. Uh, and then he, in a nice comedy bit, he's, when he starts writing the letter, he goes, dear jackass. Uh, and then backs up and goes, okay, dear dad. <laughs> um, so he starts writing his letter and he's telling the story about how he got fucking bodied by, by a intern from the GAO, the general accounting <laughs> office. Uh, and it's, it's apparently made enough waves that at this point, CJ knows about it and is giving Sam shit about it, which is always fun to see. Um, so Sam is, was just going to Josh's office to steal fruit from a meeting that Josh was having with Josh's undersecretaries about just sort of various, you know, White House stuff. Like administrative uh, tasks. Administrative tasks, exactly. And while in his quest for fruit, uh, which Sam admits that, oh, I'm just here for fruit, <laughs> uh, in kind of a nice dick move moment. Uh, and Josh is like, well, can we get you anything from the back? <laughs> and... Uh, uh, so he's while he's munching down on a banana, he hears that Josh wants to outsource this task of like, hey, we have all these old obsolete reports that we generate, uh, and they cost us a shitload of money, and we need to cut a bunch of them. So who wants to do that? And out of nowhere, Sam's like, I'll do that. That sounds great. I'm 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 great at doing that, things. That's totally my jam. <laughs> I'm a Boy Scout, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. And all, all the other undersecretaries look at him like, okay, weirdo, thanks for taking our work for us, and like, and just let him do it. Uh, so he, he, he gets uh, Ed and Larry into a room um, and pulls out all these reports, you know, requests them from the, from the GAO office. Um, and some intern comes by with a big push cart to deliver them all. And they're, you know, they're sorting through them and, like, being like, okay, we don't need this one, we don't need this one. And they're all, like, a little comedically silly kind of things, like uh, the study of, of Route 66's traffic patterns, um, or a study about, you know, the the proper way to entice uh, sanitation workers into into applying for jobs, yeah. uh, and stuff like that, and, and Sam's like, oh, this is easy, we can just cut this and that, and like, all this waste, I'm being such a good little bureaucrat here, I'm, I'm cutting all this government waste, um, and every time he, he says a report should be cut, the intern who is still there with her push cart kind of makes a sigh. <laughs> and, and he's like, I'm sorry, did you say something? And she's like, no, 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 no. Uh, and then he does it again. She makes another sigh. And then he's like, mm, so, okay, you clearly have a problem. Okay, what's your problem? <laughs> what's your problem? And uh, and the intern who fucking rules and is C-spam as fuck. That's right. Uh, and he's like, he's like, what are you, 14? She's like, I'm 19, thank you. And then proceeds to fucking demolish him verbally. Where he's like, no, but we could just cut all these dumb reports. And she's like, uh, you know that report you just mocked about the sanitation workers? Do you know how much our society needs sanitation workers? Uh, if you're having 
having trouble recruiting them, that sounds like kind of a big problem, doesn't it, Sam? And he's like, well, but I'm saving the taxpayers so much money. And she's like, oh, yeah, three million whole dollars, Sam. That'll, that'll get everyone a full college education with that fucking cents and a half you save them. Yeah. Gosh, you know, it's it's you're making such a big impact here, you know, instead of facilitating what literally what the government's purpose is. You're saying, right. here you go, taxpayers, have another penny a year. Good job. And and now and now we're markedly more inefficient and we don't know shit about all these problems that that are cropping up because we cut all the data out by by axing these reports. So, and I I noted when we were watching this that probably the the thing that my most my personal most reactionary tendency remains is sort of this stereotype and propagandized view of government bureaucratic inefficiency. It's been Sold to our and we. I'm I'm 35. You're 35 too. I th- just turned 34. Okay, perfect. Or so it's been sold to people our age and frankly probably a, a range of ages from people who are probably 50 and yeah. younger. As ever since the 80s, exactly. As government inefficiency is just it's rampant and yep. it's this it's bloated, a Kafkaesque nightmare yeah. of bureaucracy where everything is filed in triplicate and stamped five times and has to be seen by like 20 different eyeballs you know like yeah and there's the tubes <laughs> yeah. the vacuum tubes shooting this stuff all over you know that kind of well, and the, the central bureaucracy from future exactly yeah you know i'm i'm a level 13 bureaucrat and <laughs> exactly, the, uh, exactly like so this is it's very difficult to get around this because it's literally it literally defines the sort of your career path availability. It defines your right. economic viability with the skills that you have and your employment status. So there's a lot of um, there's a giant cultural push behind this meme and this I I don't want to say trope because it's not a fucking trope. It's a stereotype no. of yeah of government Perception. bureaucracy, but yeah. it is. The thing is, to me, how I have come around on this basically has been because of its because of because there is an inherent and fundamental inefficiency in the pursuit of knowledge for knowledge's sake in the pursuit of any worthwhile endeavor. That is why it devolves to the government. That is why it is incumbent upon this institution above all others to do it like right because they can handle it they, exactly. they can handle a little bit of inefficiency they, they have the capacity and frankly the the fuck you i don't need to turn a profit on this right yeah and i can print my own goddamn money <laughs> if i want to pay for all these reports exactly you know that too yeah because exactly. how else will we know about these how Right. And isn't it better to be over prepared than under prepared in this kind of scenario when when the re- result is, you know, a cent and a, oh, we're saving the taxpayer a cent and a half, you know? Isn't it much better? I'd much rather give the government my two fucking pennies and let them be over prepared for this kind of shit. And and nobody will ever um it, Okay, let me roll that back. Nobody in a profit motivated industry will ever pursue like a study of right. why we can't find in this particular example good sanitation, good sanitation workers. workers. Yes. Who fucking exactly. knows? Like, there's no right. way to make money off of that. Exactly. You know, the, there's not a focused testing group out there that's going to fucking do this shit unless they got paid by the government <laughs> yeah. to do it. 
which is you know which is what they sh- what we should do exactly in this kind of and, and frankly it's all it's all it it comes back around to the framework of if it doesn't make money it's not worth doing which is garbage right. it's all the profit motive right when you all boil this down it's all just the profit motive being you know the greatest evil humanity has ever invented <laughs> yeah. but you know n- not to get too deep into <laughs> into and so specter of of communism but this uh like the intern is c-spam as hell she works in all this excellent yeah vocab. so she just fucking kicks his ass, <laughs> ass. take ta- just take a random clip of her whooping sam's ass and insert it here Okay, you know what? You blow through these things like they don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. You're an idiot. Hey, hey, we're talking to senior staff. Gee, genuflect when you say that, fella. Report on the obstacles to state and local training needs in the solid waste management and resource recovery. You know what this is? Yes. It's about career opportunities for garbage men. And what's wrong with that? I think it's a tough sell, and I don't need a report to tell me that. Do you have any idea how much MSW this country generates in a single year? That's municipal solid waste. I knew that. And I want to shout out to my <laughs> I want to shout out to my wife for pointing out her use of the word genuflect, which is just awesome. Nobody ever yes. <laughs> nobody yes. really even knows what that means. That was great. And it, yeah. it, it, you can catch you can catch it impresses Sam mm-hmm. for like a split second. He's kind of taken aback too. Uh, I I particularly love she ends with the sign off of like, yeah, why don't you call he's like, you're pretty smart. Uh, you uh, call me up when you're done with your internship and I'll see if you can get a job. And she's like, bitch, call me up after you're done with Bartlett. I'll see if I can give you a job. Right. It's like, by the time I graduate, I'm going to be in fucking charge and gonna you're going to be out gonna of a job. Run this. She's basically AOC. It's, she's like prototypical AOC. It, it's so good. And it, it's very much like a, it's reaffirming because it's very much just like, yeah, you, you know what? Some of these uh, old perspectives are, are just fucking garbage garbage and on their way out so and and like and it's so obvious that even a 19 year old who you know isn't even finished with college yet can be like no you fucking idiot whatever (laughs) like i can fucking own you so easily on this that like you will be embarrassed by your other colleagues mentioning how owned you got by the 19 year old intern And, and i'll give you this for this episode is that this is a very rare occasion of this thing happening without it Yes. Without it being then wrapped with some smug Rahm Emanuel insert, like right. getting the last word. Yeah, he didn't. He doesn't get the last yeah. word. She gets the last word in, which means she's right. You know, because that's what the show always says. Whoever gets the last word is right. That's that's your narrative, uh, like crutch. You know, for you, the dumb viewer. Yeah, and it's it's unusual that we get this result where it's like actually the good thing is right here. So yeah, go fuck yourself. Son. Yeah. Yeah, and it was and it was great, and I guess we do get the impression that they end up not cutting the reports. But again, like you said, nothing happens, so <laughs> we, <don't laughs> we can't really fucking know. know. We can't fucking know. Um, I want to talk about a couple other funny things that happen in this episode. So there's this whole subplot that we didn't mention because it's mostly just for comedy and fluff, but it is funny for what it's worth. Where uh, when in Cairo uh, for his last visit, the president got handed a small statue of the Egyptian cat god Bast, um, uh, and who the gift person handed it to CJ. CJ threw it into her suitcase uh, and and shattered it. Uh, and now the Egyptian president is coming to visit and would like the statue of Bast to be displayed uh, during the visit. And now CJ is up shit creek without a paddle. Yeah, and it's. <laughs> It's it's completely um, there is no consequence 
of this happening. Nope. It's literally just mentioned and used as a comedic effect. But we don't even see <laughs> a prop of a shattered fucking we, statue. We also don't the, meet the, the Egyptian guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't see him. I don't even think we get his name. We might. Uh, rest um, in but peace. That's a stretch. Rest in peace, President Morsi. He died this week at a court appearance. Super oh. fucking suspicious. Wow. Thanks, Egyptian politics. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, nothing weird going CIA. on there. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, hello NSA. Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, but uh, it leads to this nice comedy moment, and this actually got quite possibly the biggest laugh out of me of, of this entire rewatch so far, where uh, CJ realizing that she is now up shit creek without a paddle with her shattered statue goes, uh, in her email narration voice, I'm going to need a, uh, a co-conspirator, a criminal mastermind, someone who can figure this out. Smash cut to Donna! <laughs> <laughs> as, as CJ tries to flag down Donna. And it just got, it got a big laugh out of me. Like, it, I don't know, the comedic timing of it, it was a really funny funny gag so then to transition off that donna uh does try her best to help uh their solution ends up being uh they crazy glue it back together yeah. um well and which hey in my book is fine actually works just fine uh, but they do they do play th- this idea of the curse of bast into the rest of the episode as in like that's why everything went wrong that's why josh screwed up his meeting with Stackhouse, which is why we're having this damn filibuster which is why we're missing our vacations is because cj actually angered the egyptian god by breaking <laughs> his statue <laughs> that's right well and to be fair like donna is then relied on in this way and sort of by virtue of roping her into the episode, almost sort of mm-hmm. like as a comedic device, she mm-hmm. gets the opportunity then to be like, I to, have this command to be of the big s- weird Senate Roberts yes. rules. Right. To not only discover that A, Stackhouse has the autistic grandchild, but then B, know the uh, the weird Roberts rules uh, loophole that allows them to ask the question and give Stackhouse the relief he so which, desperately needs. Which I, I'm frankly, okay, it's cool that they wrote Donna as having the solution, yes. but yes. come on. They're, this is a slow build to her being even more competent, and, but, uh, which, the, which they will expand in later seasons to give credit where credit's due. But, and yeah, and uh, great, like a no, no, no truck with that, but come on. B- President Bartlett is the nerdiest person. Yes. In the entire world. Yeah, you should be happily explaining <laughs> all the fucking various loopholes of the filibuster. Like, and, yeah. And he even has a line. He says, right. he says, he I'm says, in the house. Yeah. I don't know about Senate stuff. It's like, motherfucker, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Like, I'll list off the trivia of every national park. Like, it's like yeah, I know the uh, I know the GDP. Oh, I never looked into the set. I never looked at how the Senate works. <laughs> it's like I know the GDP of like Chad, but I couldn't tell you how the Senate works. How the fuck? Yeah, bull bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, that that is a bit of bad writing there. Where absolutely Bartlett should have known. Like it's nice to give Donna the Eureka moment. But not in front of Bartlett. She could have had that Eureka moment beforehand, uh, and then they come to Bartlett, and Bartlett would have been like, "Yes, Snap, that's the right, that's right." Yep. Yeah, there is a, a a loophole in the Roberts rules or whatever. You know, I oh, I wish I had thought of it first. You know, that kind of thing. Not that he hadn't thought of it at all, because he doesn't <laughs> even fucking know how the Senate works. I was just a simple congressman. <laughs> come on, right. man. It, right. It should have been a shit. Why didn't I think of that kind of thing? Yep. Like. Instead of instead of the way they do write it and frame it. Yes. So yeah. Okay. Good call on that. Um, so let's uh, take another break real quick, and then okay. we can wrap up. Sounds good. Jenny.
Egypt, Cheops boat. Back in Rome, they had chariots. China's first emperor was there with his army. And what's a cowboy without his horse in America? In America, look So that's about it as far as political things go in this episode. There wasn't actually a lot of, I mean, even issues-based stuff that comes up. We kind of took a took a brief shit on the healthcare bill because holy crap, um, <laughs> numbers fuck steining healthcare like it's 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 perennially it, like, you know in the era of Medicare for all, it just seems ridiculously it, it, silly. It's so trite, <laughs> right? Um, exactly. There, I did want to remark on something that I noticed just from a technical perspective in this episode. Um, when, yeah, me too. Go ahead. Yeah, when when Bartlett and Leo are having dinner, yes, um, there's a couple uh, like over the shoulder shots of each other, and there are lit candles that yes. feature prominently in each of the sort of the perspectives for the camera, and it's really jarring that it is. I guess it's it's technically difficult to either like post process. It's the, it's the or... continuity. Uh, Cause if you need another shot and the candles burn down more, um, you know, that, that sort of thing. That, and also the actual, like the, um, the, the actual lighting, literally the lighting challenge. of yeah. it is very difficult. And yeah. I hadn't actually, you know, here in 2019, I'm like, Oh, whatever, you know, we'll just, just fucking digit like shop it out to some digital firm. They'll fix it right up. Right. And back then, if you're if you're, I mean, editing in camera or whatever it is, that's that's actually with either film, which I'm sure it was at this point. That's actually a really tough thing in close quarters to have point sources of light like yeah. that. And you see it on the screen, like there are there are spectra that come out from the light and stuff. And it's almost um, I don't want to say distracting. But it is very. Um, uh, that's weird. I didn't notice it at all. Other, I mean, I noticed the candlelight, obviously, but I didn't notice the to, the effect. To me, it, to me, it very much stood out as being like, well, this is just kind of this is what you this is what you get with the state of the art technology in two thousand. Right. That we just can't do the shot without having like a weird smear over right. kind of the the candlelight. So yeah, I don't know. I um. I, Speaking of technical stuff, I noticed earlier there's I there's more impressive camera work in this episode than normally. Like I just noticed uh, some like gentle pushes and slow zooms, like when Toby is talking to Josh and Sam, and just kind of some stuff that we don't normally see. Again, I f- feel like part of it deals with this framing device of the emails being written, which all kind of commingles together at the end in a really nice way, where they're all, all kind of talking over each other's narration. Um, and it just like it felt like they kind of went all out this episode in terms of like like they really shot for the moon. Just well, overall, and the, the 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 walk and talk like spinny camera bit is actually to your point. When they do the the synthesis of the three emails at the end, there is a very complicated yeah, shot. set yeah. of single shot camera motion through the it's the press bullpen basically right. or mm-hmm. the comms uh, it's, it's the part in front of yeah. toby and sam's office yeah yeah, yeah exactly. the, comms the comms bullpen. Bullpen. so like yeah. they they do a very complicated shot with all of these people entering and exiting right. the frame yeah and that's t- you know everyone's got to get their mark right you know it's very choreographed it's it's very impressive yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah so yeah those again 
the bad, the bad bits are real bad, but overall, I still really enjoy this as like an episode of entertaining and, television. And you know what? I th- I think I came around on it by yeah. by talking with you about yeah. it. So you know what? Yay. It's okay. I'm, um, I'm not upset. <laughs> uh, the bad bits are really bad, though. <laughs> um, so thankfully, there aren't many. So our next episode is called Seventeen People. Um, and this is, uh, the specific is a reference to increasing the number of people who know Bartlett's MS condition, uh, which is currently 16 people. Uh, and so we will find out who the 17th person becomes in, in that next episode. Ooh, the suspense. We also, we also get a return of Ainsley Hayes. Uh, yes. and I rem- I remember specifically, I think she makes a very, very dumb argument about why, uh, <laughs> we don't need the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, oh, and I, I will be very happy to dig into oh, that. Man, I think next week or whenever we record the next episode might be the time to get my wife in as a guest <laughs> star because she has some extremely strong feelings. Oh, yes. Oddly I would enough, love that. Oddly enough, align with Ainsley Hayes. Yeah. Spoiler, extremely progressive lib wife here, but not so uh, huge on the ERA. Huh. Well, I will be interested to hear about that because I always found it as sort of a Sorkin straw feminist argument. So I'll I'll be very interested to hear. Um, uh, I'll work on her. That perspective. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, if she would guest star, that would be great. If not, I would just like to hear uh, her thoughts expressed Absolutely. via you vicariously. Uh, but yeah, that basically wraps up this episode of The Worst Wing. Uh, thank you all for listening. We always appreciate any listener comments, feedback, etc. in the thread. Uh, if you found us a different way and you would like to offer us any comments or feedback, or even if you're just some rando and you'd like to guest star, feel free to shoot us an email. Please the, feel free to let us know. We're working. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Which is a nice email address. It's very nice. And <laughs> uh, we will see you the next time on the next episode of The Worst Wing. Congrats to uh, Tiffany Caban being elected DA in Queens. We're killing it here in New York City. This is where change happens. Absolutely. You love to see it. I think it's a a portent of good electoral outcomes to come in the future. And we can Uh, do it everywhere, baby. Absolutely. Or near bus, motherfuckers. (laughs) Signing off. We'll catch you all next time. all the money you ask for But don't ask me to come on along So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal, 